Howdy. What's going on? Thanks so much for listening to the podcast. It is heard live every day, by the way, from noon until 3 on WBT Radio in Charlotte. And if you want exclusive content, invitations to events, the weekly live stream, my daily show prep with links, become a patron. Go to the PeteCallanerShow.com. This podcast is also supported by North Carolina businesses, so please consider supporting them. Try not to skip through their short ad. Make sure you hit the subscribe button to get every episode for free right to your smartphone or tablet. And thanks so much for your support. All righty, happy Wednesday. Wednesday? Yeah, it's Wednesday. Happy Wednesday. Welcome to the program. Pete Callender here. And uh, the phone numbers, as always, 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Uh, our number one of the program here. And, uh, oh, my goodness, we have got some exploding brains in Raleigh among Democrats and media, but I repeat myself, um, over education. Education funding. Specifically, you know where this is going, right? What makes what makes lefty brains explode the most? Like, like the most brain explosions among the leftists, what under the category of education uh, policy, what is it? What is the issue? Vouchers. Exactly. Parents being able to get their kids out of the local failing school. Nothing drives the left and the media, but I repeat myself, nothing drives them as bonkers as choice. I mean, aside from, like, the body choice, the women's reproductive choice, and all of that kind of choice. Yeah. Aside from that one choice. All other choices, particularly when it comes to education, really make the heads explode. And so now we have a piece of legislation that has been filed. It is House Bill 420. No, it's not the legalization of medical marijuana, but I've got stuff on that, too. Um This is a bill to be entitled an act to expand eligibility for personal education student accounts and to consolidate personal education student accounts and opportunity scholarships after two years. Okay, so it's going to be it's going to expand these ESAs or PPESAs or or PESAs, I guess. PESA. Yeah, because it would. Yeah, it's a. Uh, yeah, because accounts is already plural, so you don't put another s on there. It would be a superfluous s, so it would just be PESA. I like ESA, the ESAs, but it, but ESA sounds like the classes you take when you don't speak English as a first language. Okay, I'm down a rabbit hole. I apologize. Education student accounts. So they're going to expand the eligibility for these, which was uh, and is now. Uh, limited to uh, kids with uh, disabilities, and they you know create these um, accounts in order to get your kid out of a school that can't provide uh, the kind of education that a kid with a disability might require, and so it, it it's a way to free parents from those shackles. Um, and then the other part of it is to consolidate these ESAs into the Opportunity Scholarship Program after two years. We already have the Opportunity Scholarship Program, despite the best efforts of Governor uh, Ray Cooper, my good friend Ray Cooper, who uh, is always calling for it to be dismantled. He's always calling for the Opportunity Scholarship Program to be destroyed. In every one of his budgets that never get passed, he is always 
calling for the dismantling of the Opportunity Scholarship Program, which allows parents to to take not even the full freight, not even the full cost of what it takes, what the state spends to educate a child in the state of North Carolina. You don't even get the full amount of that back. Okay, the state spends more money to educate your kid than it will give you in a in a voucher. Okay, but then you could take that voucher and, and and bring it someplace else. And there is a there's a cap on the amount of vouchers and the the funding level for that program. And if I remember correctly, it's not even maximized. It's not maxed out. In other words, there's more money and more vouchers that exist than people use. I suspect it has something to do with the fact that uh, it, you you don't get the full cost of the education back out, and it's still then expensive to make up the rest of that. Um, Anyway, this is going to move us a step closer to true choice, but also more competition in the education field. And, And for people who disagree with this approach, do you disagree with food stamps? Because it's the same approach. It's the same approach with Medicare, right? You get to pick the doctor you go to. Why can't a parent pick the school that their kid goes to? Here's the voucher. Here's the amount of money that we have committed to spending on your child. You may now take this and go shop for the service that you prefer. You may purchase the food at the grocery store with this card that you prefer. Right? These types of voucherized programs are implemented all over in all sectors, and the left is always fine with it, except for education. Except for education. Meanwhile, they send their kids to you know private schools as well. So, of course, we're getting all of the, the usual arguments against this, that it's somehow going to deprive schools of money. And it, it will. It will. It will deprive schools. Let's say it costs $8,000 a year to educate a kid in North Carolina, and that's roughly accurate. I forget what the precise number is, but that's roughly accurate. It's about $8,000, not, um, not including the buildings and such. Because the counties, the local governments have always paid for those, although the Republicans hating the children and the education of them as much as they do, almost as much as they hate teachers, I believe, uh, they went and uh, they started spending money on capital costs for school districts now as well. So the state's now doing more of that than they ever did under Democrats in an obvious sign of how much Republicans hate teachers and schools and children. So. They're doing that more, but generally speaking, it's about $8,000 to educate a kid in North Carolina. If you include the cost of the buildings and such, it's about ten grand. The opportunity scholarships are not that amount. And so when your kid leaves the public school and goes to whatever other option you've chosen for your child and the money follows that kid, there is a little bit that's left over that stays with that school district. So you also don't have to educate the kid. They always forget that side of the equation for some reason. Like you, you, you realize your argument here is that you're demanding you still get all of the money even though you're not educating that child any longer, right? You don't want the money to follow the kid. You just want the, if the kid goes, fine, parent pulls the kid out of the school because, you know, they don't want you teaching them that there's 77 genders or whatever and transing their child. So they're going to take their kid out of that school and they're going to send them to some other school, and, okay, fine, take your kid out, but leave the money. Well, wait a minute, why? Well, because if you take the money, then you're obviously, you know, 
depriving the school district of those funds. But you don't have the kid. You're not providing the service for that child. It's like they don't hear themselves. It's the only thing, and I've been debating people on this issue for 20 years now, and it's the same arguments, and they're so silly. And I got to wonder, do you think I'm stupid or are you? And I've come to the conclusion that they are. A lot of people in this debate are the stupid ones. It's the only thing I can think at this point because they make arguments that don't make any sense. And I'm, I'm pretty good at being able to listen to an argument and understand what the argument is that you are advancing. I may not agree with it, but I can understand your argument because I'm of the belief that if you know your opponent's argument, you more fully know your own. Hmm. So I would like to fully know my own argument, so I learn the other side's argument or however many sides there are. I try to learn as much as I can about the argument. So House Bill 420 that was filed today would essentially create universal access to North Carolina families to receive state funding to attend private schools or homeschool. This is the big addition. With more than a billion dollars a year in new state funding, House Bill 420 would revise the personal education savings accounts from being a program for children with disabilities to be for any student with no family income restriction anymore listed to be eligible. Homeschool students would get funding of up to 28% of the average state per pupil ADM allotment. That's the uh, the, uh, average daily membership or something. Basically, they take the the attendance, the ADM. Uh, And that, that then determines how much you get for that school district is how many kids are in there. That's why they always want everybody to show up at the beginning of the school year, because that then dictates the funding levels. I mean, you can drop out later. That's fine. But they get the money. Just hang around for a couple weeks, you know. We get the ADM count, and then if you're gone, we still get your money. Yeah, a bit of a racket. So the homeschools, they're only going to get 28% of the average state-per-pupil ADM allotment. So if the state's paying eight grand, you are going to get 28% of eight grand. You don't even get the full amount. And they still say that this is not going to fund public schools so you don't have the kid anymore you don't have to spend any money educating that kid the kid's gone but you still are going to keep 72 percent of the adm okay i mean if the kid leaves now if the kid never shows up at your door then you don't get any of the money but they still want it that's the that's their argument and so house bill i believe this is house bill yeah house bill 420 uh filed today expanding school choice in north carolina so First off, if you have one of these existing ESAs or PESAs or PISAs, PISA, PESA, whatever, if you've got one of these personal education savings accounts right now, uh, those are limited to uh, kids with disabilities. Uh, Do not fear the money that you get will remain the same. So right now, the law is uh, for a full school year, you get $9,000. And if it's a half school year, you get 4500 So that number will remain for kids with disabilities. If you are not under one of those plans, then you would just get um, the 33% of the, the allotment, the ADM, 33%. Uh, if you're homeschooled, then that would be 28% of the state, what the state normally spends per pupil, the ADM. Um, 
And so now you've got the uh, the you know public school advocates, activists, right? People who, generally speaking, make a living with the government-run monopoly that is K-12 education. And they make all sorts of silly arguments against this because they don't want the monopoly to be dismantled. And because they apparently know no history or cannot imagine another system besides the one that they love so oh very much, even though it doesn't educate a lot of kids, um, they're very concerned that this is going to rob them of all of the money and now kids are going to be left stupid. And they, some of them really do believe that Republicans want that, that Republicans want kids, particularly non-white kids, if I understand the argument, um, that they that the GOP wants non-white kids to be dumb. That's, they, a lot of them believe it. A lot of the lefties believe that. I, it's a silly argument. Considering that the opportunity scholarship programs and stuff like these are very popular among minority groups. Yes, minority groups who oftentimes are trapped in the worst schools. And then you have the argument that comes from the activist crowd that there's no accountability. There's no accountability. And that's also a silly argument. If anything, there is more accountability. You know why? Because failure is an option. I mean, not for the kid. I mean, and well, not for the kids in public school either. But uh, that is true, I guess. I just thought of that now. You've got kids in public school. Do they even fail? If the schools fail, they don't count as failures, right? We don't want to call them that. So we just we keep socially promoting the schools too, right? They get a pass. They get a pass. Oh, we're going to turn them around this year. Oh, we're going to turn it around this year. Meanwhile, you got generations going to the same school and not getting educated, right? Now, look. Part of this is the problem that comes from the neighborhood into the school. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And when school leaders say those types of uh, things, they make these kinds of arguments, I, I am sympathetic to that. Because people demand the schools do all of these things. And part of that is because schools have promised to do them. People run for elected office saying that they're going to do some things if they're in charge of the schools and this is what education should include. And they keep promoting schools as, you know, the the problem-solving agency of the government that can address all of these issues. And then people believe it. And then, of course, they are let down. I call it the libertarian prophecy. Um, The government doesn't care about your kids more than you do. I'm sorry. Like, I'm sorry to if that's earth-shattering news to some people, but they don't. You cannot expect that. And so, and that does that mean that there are some bad parents out there? Absolutely. Just like there are bad teachers. Does that mean there are good parents? Absolutely. You want to give everybody as much of a chance to get out as they can. And I firmly believe competition improves quality. Competition improves quality. People will want to go to schools. Now, does that mean that... uh, Uh, Some school might not actually be a good school, quote-unquote. It'll just be a credentialing service, essentially. Yes, much like colleges. Yes. Do you think that isn't happening right now? Of course it is. There are schools in the public school system, in CMS right here, and in every district across the land, there are school uh, houses, particular schools, that have, quote, good reputations, even though they may not have, you know, really uh, uh, good, 
you know, market uh, improved scores when compared to other schools around it. It could be pretty comparable. But it has a good name. So this already exists, right? You end up arguing when in this debate, as so often is the case, you end up arguing against a utopian version of the public school system that doesn't exist now. It doesn't exist now. And when a public school is failing and, and cranking out generation after generation of kids that cannot read and cannot do math, what... When do we say, okay, that school can, that that school now has to stop abusing the people? No more abusing kids. No more robbing them of their futures. That school is out of business. We shut it down. Well, we can't do that, Pete, because then where will they go to school? <laughs> right? So there's no way out of their trap. There's no way to get out of this trap. And so I would submit this is a good first step. I would like to see it all uh, uh blown up in the in the sense that everybody gets to go wherever they want to go but this is a good first step i'm glad the general assembly has done it when a, when a school that runs off of vouchers when that school is failing its kids at rates that a public school is then that school will close down because people won't want to bring their kids there that's accountability that's more accountability actually All right. Are you prepared for a disaster? Do you need some advice? Are you looking for military surplus that's real? Well, for more than three decades, the answer has been Old Grouch's military surplus in downtown Clyde. It is an old school traditional store. It's got a mix of modern and vintage items. See my friend Tim. He'll hook you up. He gets new stuff in all the time. American made because it's real military surplus. Camo, shirts, hats, customized dog tags, gear, Old Grouches on Main Street, downtown Clyde, across the street from the anti-aircraft gun. The shop is open Monday through Saturday and all the time at oldgrouch.com. North Carolina legislature moving forward with, uh, or I should say, a bill has been introduced. We don't know if it'll actually gain any traction if it goes anywhere, but it got introduced. There was a big press conference about it. Generally speaking, that's a good sign when you see as many people around uh, the podium as we saw So we'll see. It's House Bill 420, and it expands the uh, Opportunity Scholarship Program and the Personal Education Savings Accounts uh, law, combines them after two years, so it'll all be just one fund, and people can get get the money, and then they can go and use it towards either homeschool uh, or private schools or parochial schools or wherever. Like, you'll be able to take that money and use it for other options. And this is, again, this is my compromise because I don't think government does a good job of all uh, of the K-12 model at all. I mean, really, at all. It's just it, it needs to be torn down and completely redone, but nobody wants to do that because everybody you know, thinks that, oh, my gosh, we can't survive as a country without the government running education systems because, of course, the country didn't exist before the government ran them or something. I don't know. But – uh, they don't want to do that, so okay, fine. This is my halfway point. Then free up the free up the money. Let the kids go where they want to go. Let me go over here to uh, Vincent. Hello, Vincent. Welcome to the program. Hey, hey Peter. Yes. Uh, you know your you know your history. I listen to you, and I think back to the Indian schools in the eighteen hundreds and the early nineteen hundreds, where they forced the Indians into white man schools. Mm. They tried to make tried to make them white men, and uh, and, and basically destroyed 
you know, the Indians. The culture. Uh, they're, doing, they're, they're doing the same thing today. Uh, they're, they're destroying uh, the people. They, they don't want you to be a conservative. They don't want you to be a, a constitutional person. They want you to be a good, subservient uh, liberal. So, right, because the, the schools are where a society transmits its culture to the next generation, and particularly when you have the dismantling of institutions of faith like we have seen in America. The schools become paramount to that transmission of the culture and the values, and now that it is captured by the left, that is exactly, precisely what they're doing. They're, they're changing the, their culture through the education of kids, and I think the parallel with the uh, with the destruction of the indigenous culture is, I, I think that's a fair parallel. Okay, I yeah. just wanted to throw my two cents. In. Yeah, no, I got you, Vincent. I appreciate it. Thanks. All right, take care. Um, there was uh, along those lines. Hang on a second. Yeah, here it is. Uh, story the other day at the Center Square by Victor Skinner. Skinner, uh, in conversations with constituents. State Representative Keith Kidwell realized many of North Carolina's high school graduates know little about the Gettysburg Address. That's where my friend lived. His last name was Gettysburg. That's what. No, I'm kidding. In the General Assembly, some members have struggled to understand the U.S. Constitution. That's not surprising. And other important tenets of American government. That is what Representative Kidwell told the House Education Committee last week. And he said, quote, if we do not teach our children the history of basic American civics, we will not continue as a country or we will repeat the mistakes of the past. Those experiences and others compelled the Beaufort County Republican to sponsor House Bill, excuse me, House Bill 96. It's called the NC Reach Act, NC Reach Act, and it will require students in the University of North Carolina system, as well as the community college systems, to pass a course on American government in order to graduate. The REACH Act, the NC REACH Act, it stands for something because, of course, it does. Here's what it stands for. Are you ready? NC, well, it's North Carolina, obviously. So, NC, reclaiming. College Education on America's Constitutional Heritage Act. Reclaiming College Education on America's Constitutional Heritage Act. Okay, that's that's not reach. That's R-C-E-H. R-C-E-H. E-H. R-C-E-H. R-C-E-H. Yeah, that's not reach. Reclaiming college, you you got a problem right there, R.C. At first I thought he was using the R.E. from reclaiming, and he was doing like the first two-letter kind of a thing to kind of get you there. But no, because then there's E in education, A, Americas, C, constitutional, H is heritage. So why would you just call it reclaiming education on America's constitutional heritage? Why why throw in the college? Eh, Whatever. I, look, I, I like the bill. I'm just, you know, I got questions about the acronym. What are we even doing here? The REACH Act would require students to earn at least three credit hours of instruction in American history or American government to graduate with a baccalaureate or associate's degree from state institutions. Current law does not set a higher education graduation requirement, but high school students 
are required to earn a passing grade in a course titled Founding Principles of the United States of America and North Carolina Civic Literacy. Okay, so there is a civics class that everybody has to pass in order to get a high school diploma. Founding Principles of the U.S. and North Carolina. But this bill would require college instructors to build on that course with a comprehensive overview of major events and turning points in American history and government. It would require reading of the U.S. Constitution, the Declaration of Independence, the Emancipation Proclamation, and at least five essays from the Federalist Papers, as well as Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s letter from the Birmingham jail and the Gettysburg Address. The bill would require a cumulative final exam uh, that makes up 20% of your total course grade, and it dictates that the course requirements not add to the total number of credit hours required for a degree, and it tasks the Board of Governors for the UNC system and the community college system uh, with ensuring that schools implement the requirement and allows those governing bodies to remove chancellors who do not comply with one, within one academic year. The NC Research Act, or the REACH Act, as it were. We also then have uh, the fight over teacher pay, because, of course, we do, uh, because the uh, legislature is talking about uh, the budget, and, you know, Governor Roy Cooper has put out his budget proposal where he wants to, you know, throw more money at the teachers, and this is, uh, you know, it's, it's an issue that, uh, that plays well in elections. Education funding, right, plays well, and uh, the left mobilizes off of this. This was, you remember, uh, I guess now probably, what, seven years ago, I guess, um, there was the big uh, Red for Ed, March for Ed. Remember all the teachers wearing their red shirts uh, went down to the Raleigh Capitol. They called out sick, and they went and protested for more pay. Remember all of that? It's part of, like, the Moral Monday movement. They they brought in all the teachers. But when, when the legislature gave them all the pay raises, when they, when they implemented their their overhauled pay step plan, um, which, by the way, is a better plan than what the Democrats had for teachers. The Democrats, when they were in control, you know, for a century and a half and froze teacher pay and fired a bunch of teachers, right, because they, they bankrupted uh, the system, they, um, they had like six or seven different steps, and they came at different times, at weird times, and then they froze the step increases and all that. And what the Republicans did was they said, okay, first thing we got to do is we got to retain – attract and retain more teachers at the early uh, in early in their career. And so that's where they focused on their reform efforts at first. Uh, and they said, we're going to come back and do the, the veteran teachers and then the, you know, the mid tenure teachers after that, but they got to first address the starting pay issue. So they did that. And of course they got attacked for ignoring the veterans, even though they said like, we're going to come back, but they got it. They got attacked for it. So they built in, so they set the, the, the floor, at $35,000 a year with step increases, which are just a step increase means that it, it, it happens. It's not performance related. It's not cost of living related. It's just automatic $1,000 a year increase every year for 15 years. So after 15 years, you are guaranteed to be at 50 K just for, just for years of service, a thousand dollar a year increase. And that's on top of any other increases they get. 
So that was the first thing they did. Then they came back and, and reworked the veteran teachers thing. So a uh, pay scale. And so now the teacher pay average in North Carolina is almost $58,000 a year. And outrage has ensued. I'll tell you why. Talking about education, vouchers, teacher pay. We'll get to the teacher pay figure in a moment. First, let me get Marcus on. Hello, Marcus. Welcome to the program. How are you? Oh, pretty good. How y'all doing Hey, today? I'm good. I'm doing all right. What's up? Well, thank you for putting me on there and everything. And I just want to say y'all had a great program, and I enjoy y'all a whole lot. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it. And, yeah, I just uh, listened to y'all talk about the uh, uh, the bill that the guy's going to write and everything and going to fix all that stuff. Those politicians, they do that all the time. It don't do any good. Uh, they all the time act like they want to fix something, and... And they just make things worse, and it's, it's not the the, the cur- curriculum right there. It's, it's the teachers. They're going to teach what they want to teach. The teachers are going crazy out there. Well, the, <laughs> uh, I mean, I, you speak truth. Uh, yes, uh, you can write these laws, and you can try to uh, you can try to you know put up the guardrails as best you can. But if somebody is intent on jumping over the guardrails and uh, flinging themselves off the side of the mountain, there's you know there's there's not a lot that you can do to actually prevent that from happening. So, no, there's, I mean, the, 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 they're going, you know, I, I, I got several customers of mine that's uh, teachers and stuff, and they're going to do what they're going to do. And, you know, I mean, they, they, they don't have any kind of, uh, you know, and, and like I say, every time politicians try to fix something to bill, you know, like they do, uh, it, it just turns it turns out bad anyway. They, right. You know, we, well, we, and- we have very... Pay, pay them to take a permanent vacation up there. Well, so this is why I'm a this is why I'm a fan of the voucher system because yes. you can get yes, your sir. kid out of those schools. I mean, look at how many. I'm sure you've seen these videos of teachers posting their own posting themselves. They post their own videos of themselves talking about how they are essentially brainwashing kids in their classrooms in defiance of state laws or local laws. Right? So they. So to your point, yes, they're going to do it anyway, but this gives parents the opportunity to get their kids out of those settings. Well, a voucher would be a good idea, but, I, you know, our school systems are ruined there. The public stuff is ruined. Oh, a lot of them are. And I think, but and that's another thing, I think the vouchers uh, will allow schools to compete. It'll force them to, and I think that they will get better because of it. I hope they will. Um, I appreciate the call, Marcus. Thanks, sir. Thank you, sir. All right, man, take it easy. Um, so... The average teacher pay in North Carolina, 57805 Okay, 57805 That is an average figure. And at the News and Observer, their headline was, Average NC teacher pay is nearly 58000 but educators argue many earn less. Not a joke, to quote Joe Biden. Not a joke. Of course they do. Many earn less than the 58000 Because why? It's an average. Yes, that's, that, that's what average means. You take all of the numbers and you roll them together and then you divide by the number of teachers there are, and then that's how you get the average teacher pay. Any person who understands the concept of a mathematical average could have responded, yes, many earn more as well. Because they do. Unless, of course, your argument is that there's one teacher making like a billion dollars or something and everybody else makes, you know, two thousand dollars a year. And and that's what skews the numbers. But nobody makes that argument. Right. People are saying, oh, there's there's like one or two rich teachers at the top and all of the other teachers are below 58K. Is that what the argument is? 
No. Now, look, if you would like to provide us the median, okay, I would like to know that as well, right? The median would be you take all of the salaries and you line them up from lowest to highest, and then you count from both sides until you get to the number that's directly in the middle, right? So you start off at 35000 a year. I think now it's actually, yeah, the starting uh, salary now is thirty seven a year. So you start at thirty seven, and then whoever's making the most amount of money, whatever that number is, and you count one from there. And you just kind of work your way into the middle, one, one, two, two, three, three, all the way into the middle. And then when you hit that middle number, then that's the median. And that would tell you that there are exactly the same number of people on the left side of the line as there are on the right side of the line or above it or below it. In other words, that is the true midpoint. Why don't you give us the median? Well, then you would have to tell us what everybody is making, right? Well, why can't we know how much everybody is making? Are you, are you worried that if we knew how much everybody is making that some people might be concerned at the uh, at the amount of money that some teachers are making at the top end of the scale, right? If fifty eight thousand is the average, what's the median? Is the median higher or lower? I would love to see that number as well. I am not going to hold my breath waiting for teacher pay critics to shine that spotlight, though. Mitch Kokai, John Locke Foundation, writing it. JohnLock.org. I would like to know the number as well. I'd like to know how much the top teacher is paid.